0: Hello, and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host, and I am very excited to be joined today by a special guest from across the pond. He is our second guest who hails from London, England, although the first one who is still living there full time. He has a wealth of experience in ultra running races and mountain races all over the world, and he is going to tell us about a very special project that he's undergoing this summer, which is why we wanted to talk to him a little bit, all the way, as I said, from London, England, Christian Morgan. Christian, welcome to the Pain Cave.
1: Hey, Jason, good to be on the show.
0: It's great to have you, man. And uh, I'm excited about this for a couple of reasons. One is that, you know, we uh, often talk to, in, in and by we I say, uh, those of us in the podcast or the quote-unquote meter world often talk to people after big events have happened and, and kind of discuss how they went and and that sort of thing. And in this case, we're getting you uh, a little early in 45 days, and we're going to get into this in greater detail, obviously, as we as we go a little later. But just to to fill everybody in, in 45 days, I think July 1, you are going to be starting your attempt on the fastest known time for the Appalachian Trail.
1: Yep, that said, it's a 45-day countdown, so it's pretty exciting to be on before the event and to be able to talk about the anticipation and so on.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Before we do though, let's let's get a little bit into your background. Uh you are basically a, a full-time coach and personal trainer, is that right?
1: I would say part-time actually. Um yeah, I'm part-time um coach personal trainer and then the other half of the time I use for my my own personal endeavors, you know, running pretty much.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yeah. You, you've got a wealth of experience in some of the longest and toughest races, particularly in Europe, but really all over the world. How did you get into running the really long, hard stuff?
1: Yeah, so I guess I started ultra 10 years ago, and with, as, as probably the same as everybody else. I started off with a relatively short distance ultra marathon, um, but it was about five years ago after returning from Ethiopia, that I really got into, you know, 100 milers. And, um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much consider that the 100 milers of the long stuff. So Sure. So, I, I, th- I think it was a kind of a, a progression. You know, I did the ultra uh, distance and then and eventually the 100 miler, it was always going to be on the something I wanted to do. And eventually, I finally, five years ago, finally got to it and did my first 100. Which was your first one? It was uh, the North Downs Way 100 held over here in the UK by a company called Centurion. And it's a Trail 100 with about 3,000 meters of elevation gain and loss. Okay. And it's it's a really great race.
0: So 3,000 meters, that's, uh, I'm going to say, for those of us on the uh, imperial system, that's ten, eleven thousand 11,000 feet, somewhere in that range, which for a, a Trail 100 is not too stout, I guess. Um, No, it's pretty flat. Yeah. Yeah. But you've gotten into some really big mountain races, including some of the biggest out there, UTMB. I know you've run Ronda del Sims. You've run Trans Grand Canary. You've run Tour de Jeans, which I want to talk a little bit about. You know, some of these, some of these being, you've run MDS. So you've got some experience in the, in the multi-day stage stuff. And, and obviously Tour de Jeans is, is not a a stage race, but a multi-day effort for sure. Um, yeah. Did you did you just fall into that naturally? Is it the kind of thing where, as you moved up in distance, you just found success and, and enjoyment, or was there a, a, a conscious decision to to move into those kind of areas?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think first of all, it was checking off the distance uh, with the North Downs Way one hundred over here, and then uh, you know, I'd always heard about. For, you know, like Western states and um, UTMB and some of these bigger mountain ultras, right? And that's what really kind of attracted me uh, and and kind of got my curiosity. So, so I think as time went by, I kind of gravitated towards the more challenging 100s because, I mean, you know, I mean, as you know, the one hundred can be running. Uh, what's the re- Zach Bidders doing a pretty quick hundred, isn't he? There, <laughs> yeah. so. You know, a hundred can be done in less than twelve hours. So mm-hmm. I wanted, uh, and what I really uh, liked the idea of was getting into the really. I mean, the winners at Ronda del Sims are finishing in I think it's about thirty-seven, thirty-nine hours. They're, these are the top guys, the guys at the front, right? And um, yeah, so it's a whole different game when you add the elevation and the terrain in. So right. yeah, I just naturally gravitated towards the more challenging hundreds in that sense.
0: Now, how do you prepare for some of these big mountain races coming from, you know, London specifically, and, and I guess generally England where, you know, there are there are hills and fells and such and uh, smaller mountains, but, you know, there's, there's really no significant altitude to speak of. You don't have the kind of long grinding climbs that you're going to see at some of these uh, mountainous races in the Alps. How, how do you prepare for that specifically? Is it a lot of travel to like training bases or are you just doing kind of what we all do who come from flatlands like just finding hills <laughs> where you can find them
1: Yeah yeah I keep it local um I don't like to travel too much to go on a training run um and I have a couple of hills in my area I mean you would just laugh if you saw them Jason I mean you know this, this, you could throw a stone to the top of the one hill that I get my most vert <laughs> <fur> on <laughs> You know it's called Rock Hill uh, it's about eight, sixteen, maybe sixteen percent gradient.
0: Oh wow! And
1: um, so it's a nice steep hill, and um, I'll just repeat the hills in my area. And they're luckily the, the hills that are in my area are on trail, not tarmac. So, but they are ridiculously short. I mean, I think the one takes me about um, one minute and twelve seconds to get to the top, and about thirty seconds to run down. So you can imagine if you've done one repeat in less than two minutes and, and the elevation on that particular hill is about 20 meters. So I'm kind <laughs> of, I'll, yeah, man, I'll, I'll go to that hill. And if I want to get in a thousand meters, I'm looking at two hours, just repeating. Um, oh my um, God. Yeah. That's how I do it. So but it, just, you know, it works. It yeah. really does get the legs. Um, you know, it, I mean, my quads now can really take a long um, downhill like tour de Jean. I didn't, walk any of the downhills. I was able to run, you know, every downhill section.
0: Well, that's, that's really interesting because I think a lot of my, I mean, myself included uh, coming from, you know, I have, we have some, uh, slightly larger hills than you do. We, we have climbs of a thousand feet or 1500 feet where I am and, and we can grind it out for a little while. And, and it's, it does make things a little bit easier. But one of the things that I think a lot of us rely on is, you know, uphill hikes on the treadmill or, or long treadmill uphill sessions. And you don't get the the like you're saying the down and you don't you know your quads can kind of get chewed up in some of these big mountain races do you do any extra leg strengthening type stuff to to prepare the quads for that or you just find that that cycling on these smaller hills does enough for you
1: yeah i mean i like to back up what i do with strength training Um, i'm not so religious with it uh, and i know that I would be a stronger runner if I did dedicate myself more and assert myself and stick to the routine. But I try to get in the gym once a week and I pretty much um, do kind of lunges with weights, uh, Mm -hmm. just general resistance, squats, deadlifts, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, lots of calf raises. And also then I do the inner thighs and I do the outer thighs. So yeah, I do back up my um, downhill repeats and so on with um, some strength training because I really think the science has proven, and also I do feel a lot stronger myself when I'm doing that. So it, it, I think it adds to the you know, the artillery to do that.
0: And do you get up into the Lake District at all and run some of the fells or some of the, the big rounds up there?
1: That was, so that's where my sponsor is innovate. That's where those guys are based. Last time I went up to visit them, I was up and we all went out for a run. Um, and we went out on the fells and... It's because I live in London, it's like another world for me even, you know, to go up there and just every direction you look, it's just this beautiful green mountains and rocks and sky. And uh, I I mean, I don't get up there as much as I'll go to my local trails Mm -hmm. because I can I can be on one of my local trails in about, I think, uh, 30 to 45 minutes. Mm hmm. Uh, that North Downs Way, one I was telling you about. So, but for me to get to the Lake District, you're actually looking at about, I think, um, I think it's four hours by train. Oh, oh wow. no, maybe three, maybe three hours. But I mean, it's a long way. I can't so, just pop there. Right.
0: That's not a day. That's a weekend or, or something like that. Y-
1: yeah, that would be a weekend um, effort. And I do go on the weekends to different places.
0: And have, I mean, just. Anytime I talk to somebody who has access to that area, I got to ask about the Bob Graham. Have you run a Bob Graham?
1: No, I have not, actually. Um, but I've read a great book um, called Feet in the Clouds. Feet in the
0: Clouds is one of my favorites. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Richard Asquire, yes, I think. Yes. It's a great book. Fantac- yeah.
0: Fantastic. Uh, just uh, exploration of the whole tr- uh, fell running culture and then interspersed with his own attempts on the Bob Graham. Really, really good story.
1: I know, and it's such a great story because he's actually uh, commuting from London, isn't he? He doesn't actually live up there. That's exactly he jumps right. up on the train. So, yep. I mean, I'm not making excuses when I say it's a long train journey. I just, um, you know, I don't go up in the week. I'd keep that for the weekend. Right. But no, right. not done at Bob Graham. Um, it's something I might consider in the future, but right now, as you know, I've got my plate full. Yes,
0: for sure. For sure. And I apologize for not mentioning it earlier. I did want to touch on some of your uh, sponsors, no, which I'll, I'll link to, to on the yeah. website, but Innovate, Innovate yeah. being your big shoe sponsor. I love Innovate Shoes uh, and used to run with them and, st- and still do have several Innovates in my rotation. Then also uh, Lucky Trekking Poles and Tailwind Nutrition. And we'll, we'll touch a little bit more on those things as we get into your AT attempt coming up. What's uh, Just as an aside, what's your go-to Innovate Shoe?
1: Well, um I'm actually testing out a range of their graphene model at the moment. Yeah, that's
0: a new that's a new development for them in the last six months or so.
1: Yeah, and it's um so it's boasting like fifty percent more durability. Um and and when you you know, your trail shoes lasting longer, that's kind of quite appealing. So right. I'm just I've I'm pretty much in the past um uh, past couple of months I've gone through the whole graphene range and I'm, I'm putting a you know good couple hundred miles on each pair to um, test out what's good for me you know and what I'll be looking to go towards um, using on the trail yeah so yeah I, I wouldn't really say one in particular uh, I do like the variation so I think as you know when you're running certain trails, some may be more rocky, so you're going to go for something with a rock plate in, something you may be having a muddy, slippy day, so then you want better grip. So the good thing about um, having Innovate is I can kind of select what all uh, uses, a bit like a dentist picking what tool he needs for the job.
0: Yeah, know. exactly. No, they do have such a nice uh, wide variety. And, and like you said, for the different trail conditions, really, uh, I do. Well, don't want to turn this into a commercial for Innovate, but uh, I do like that. No, man. Quite, but, uh, before we get into the upcoming project, which I want to spend uh, some time on, obviously, I did want to talk a little bit about Tour de Jean's TDG, which is uh, a race that I really have no interest in doing myself, but has kind of captured my imagination just as a, a really cool event. Tell us a little bit about your experience there and, you know, how did you prepare for that as, a, as opposed to a quote-unquote regular ultra? Because it is, I think, a bit of a different skill set and it, it does require some different, I guess, adjustments and, and planning than, than it would than even even a, a long hundred like like UTMB would.
1: Yeah, so what happened was I entered the lottery for several big, um, what I consider big races. I think I was looking at Western States, Hard Rock, um, Tour de Jean, and then I think, was it UTMB? Yeah, UTMB, and then um, another one called the Grand Union Canal over here in the UK, Mm -hmm. um, which was the one um, I kind of least wanted to do because it was already where I was living, and that's the one that I got into. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, uh, ironically, I got into that one. But then the following year, I had a second chance at Tour de Jean, put in again my application, and this time got picked out of the lottery. So, what I did was, right, I think that was 2017, and right from the start of the year, I just started running mountain races, as mountain ultras, sorry, as preparation. Mm-hmm. So, that, that year, I actually ran uh, Trans-Grand Canaria, as uh-huh. a prep ultra, I ran Transvulcania. As a, have you heard of that one? Should sure. That, yeah. Um, then I ran Rondadel Sims. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine using that as a training run, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and then as my taper, I did a, um, I did the North Downs Way, um, one hundred again. <laughs> uh, you know, three weeks out as my taper run, and then when I got to Tour de Jean, I was ready you know, I'd put myself through the, um, really tough ultras. I mean, Ronda del Sims is probably one of the toughest hundreds out there. I, I really had a, um, experience over there, I should say with a storm and having to keep warm, um, you know, going through a whole night through a whole day and then almost into the next night. So I kind of, I was halfway there prepared. And then, um, and then with, um, in terms of, uh, uh, sleep deprivation. Yeah, I listened a lot to um, oh, what's his name. He came second one year. He's the American, and you'd probably be able to recall his name. Uh, he's a great, interesting, charismatic yes, fellow. Yes,
0: um, and it's it's escaping me right now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and honestly, I just I, I want to say it's Jade's husband because I, I can think of Jade's name right now. But uh, yeah, um, yes, and he did. He he had a great interview afterwards where he talked about how he had prepared... Nicodemius Holland. Thank you. Nicodemius. God, Jesus, yeah. I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, Nick has, you know, uh, he's a, a winner of of Hurt and a finisher of Barkley and everything else. And, and this was a different type of preparation for him as well. And he talked a little bit about how he had prepared himself, A, to be deprived of sleep, but also how to fall asleep kind of on command almost. And yeah. talked about doing some kind of military type training with kind of cueing his brain to be able to fall asleep quickly and get, you know, a lot of recovery or a decent amount of recovery just from short bouts of sleep.
1: Yeah. So I I took huge inspiration from Nick. We even had a chat uh, before I did it. Um, And, you know, I liked that thing about the five senses, the taste, the smell. Yes, exactly. That that stuck with me. That was great. Yeah. And I, um, I followed, so I, So as well as kind of training and beating my body up doing these um, pretty tough ultras, I also just sometimes randomly dropped myself down um, on the ground, uh, got comfortable, uh, and went to sleep for a quick uh, power nap, and then got up and carried on about my day. So I was practicing napping as efficiently as possible, which, um, which is huge. You've either got to decide when you do Tour de Jean, are you going to sleep? Or Tour of Giants, are you going to sleep? Are you not going to sleep? If you are not going to sleep, um, is that a good idea? But if you are going to sleep, how are you going to go about it? So these are all things you need to think about right? Um, in preparing. So that's how I prepared for it, by and a combination you, of all those things.
0: Did you use sensory cues like Nick did for, for kind of telling your brain that it's sleep time?
1: I think I... I did, you know, with the the smell, I didn't because I know he had like um, I know lavender is a yeah. good one, yeah. an essential oil, and then the taste, I didn't. So uh, I think I just pretty much lay down, right, right, <laughs> right. Know, I, yeah. I, I think I did elevate my legs, so that uh-huh. was one. Yep. There's a guy called Jocko w- w- Willink or, or something who talks about laying down and having this ex kind of army guy elevating the legs and just switching off the entire body, and then. And then getting back into things, wow. I did this actually kind of interesting thing where you have a espresso. Like I've got this little mocha pot where I make espressos, okay. and I drank a lot of coffee while I was doing tour tour of giants. So I'd have a espresso. Um, you know, I'm pretty into my coffee, and I ground the beans and everything. Did my little mocker pot, <laughs> and then straight away after I finished it, I lay down because I was uh, living in my camper van for a while. I'd lay down on my camper van floor shut my eyes and 20 minutes later my alarm would go off and I'd get up and you've got this feeling of rest you feel rested and then you've got also the boost of the coffee and then
0: the caffeine's kicking up. in at that point that's really yeah that's an interesting strategy right because it takes yeah. a few minutes before that's really going to hit your system
1: yeah so uh yeah so I was doing that kind of stuff and just having an experiment and it all seemed to work because I finished <laughs> so
0: that's awesome let's let's talk let's get into it a little bit as to what is going to happen this summer your expedition on on the Appalachian Trail I know your first experience I I think your first experience with the trail was last summer when you came over and and were pacing uh Carl Sabby is that right yeah tell us a little bit about that what was this on your radar before that time and also you know have you well, we'll talk a little bit about kind of FKT culture, I guess. But is this going to be your first FKT attempt? Have you done stuff like that before?
1: This is definitely my first FKT attempt. Okay. Um, I've, I've done adventures where I've done multi-day hiking and stuff, but this will be my first registered FKT attempt.
0: Right. Okay. And what is it about the AT? Was it your experience last year that kind of clued you in as to this is something you want to do?
1: yeah there's nothing like stepping out onto the green tunnel and just experiencing it for yourself seeing a bear in real life you know not just on the television <laughs> um, and uh, I was um, completely uh, sold you know when, when I was out there and seeing what Carol was doing and being part of that it was so inspirational and and even when, way back when Car- Carol told me we met at Marathon Assables, and he told me he was at MDS mm-hmm. to uh, prepare for the PCT, mm-hmm. the Pacific Crest Trail that he was going to go for. Um, and I, when he just said he's going to go on a trail and he's going to be on it for about 50 days or something, <laughs> I just thought, wow. You know, I mean, an ultra lasts a day or two, and if right. it's Tour de chance, maybe five days, but 50 days. And I just thought, that's something which you know, that's a step out of life oh, you know, yeah. into something else. And that's really, um, and then when I got invited to his attempt last year and I did go out on with him on the trail and, uh, you know, I, I think that really sealed it and made me think, I, yeah, I would like to do this.
0: So how long were you with him last year?
1: I did 15 full days with him on the trail, 15, so I was was there about a third, just over a third of his attempts.
0: And what section, was that 15 consecutive days, basically?
1: Yeah, I joined on day, it was either 11 or 12, I think it was day 11, and I left, or day 10 or something, and then I left day twenty fifth, 25 or 26.
0: Okay, okay, so where were you, kind of mid-Atlantic, I guess, kind of uh, Carolinas, Virginia, that area?
1: Yeah, we passed those guys had finished off in North Carolina, and they were in the Virginia area. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember Shenandoah National Park was a big section for us. Beautiful. That's where I I think I saw one of my first bears. Um, So that section,
0: the relatively
1: flat section.
0: (laughs) 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 And so, what did you learn from that experience that you're going to take forward into your own attempt? I mean, I'm sure there are many things, but what what were a couple of take homes?
1: well let me think um so so let me think what would i take forward from that experience i I think looking back at the whole experience and thinking you know what i survived 15 days on the trail running 10 hours a day Mm -hmm. and i didn't come away from it injured um unenthusiastic or hurt in any way so i suppose i i take that as a positive Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. thinking i was able to kind of last that long um uh, then small things, I suppose. Like you said, there's so many. But just how quickly in and out sometimes Carl was on the uh, meet-up points. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, so he would come in. Uh, some sometimes he'd been out for say 20k in the morning because he started at 4am every day. Wow, he'd come in uh, typically. I don't know, a couple of hours later, uh, and then on some occasions he'd just be straight back out. And I'd think, what? You know. So I was. I think. You know, not coming into a meetup point and sitting down and getting comfortable for right. half an hour.
0: Right, right, so, right. Same so, yeah. same concept as during an ultra, right? You you can't, as they say, you can't make love to the aid stations, right? It's it's tempting, yeah. To, it's tempting to kind of take a load off and, and get relaxed and comfortable, but but that's that's the danger.
1: Yeah, but I think actually you no, know, it's, it's coming back to me more now we're talking about. I tell you what else I took away. Carol was really relaxed, uh, so so he wasn't regimented, and he didn't follow from uh, my own um, opinion. He didn't seem to follow any particular system or rules. He seemed mm-hmm. to go how and he listened to his body. I mean, there was one occasion, it was really hot, and we got into a meet point, and we were there long enough for me to, I think, notice that 20 minutes had passed, hmm. so... You know, he didn't stick to a certain, I think he followed the the sound of his body Mm -hmm. and that way, um, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going against himself all the time. He was kind of riding with his own flow. Mm -hmm. So I think I'll definitely take a page from that. Gotcha. uh, My attempt, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's good advice. So you're starting in Georgia going, uh, south to north, correct?
1: Yeah. Heading north. Yeah.
0: And you're going to be fully supported as well?
1: yeah i got a crew out with me i got a uh, my mother's going to be driving um at a vehicle and then she's got a uh well my cousin who's megan she's from ireland she's 18 years old she'll be coming over and she's kind of like co-navigating and also then all the other tasks mm-hmm. that so that Uh, My cousin, uh, sorry, my niece Mia will come and visit for a short time. She's just turning sixteen, so it's an all-female crew. I think (laughs) I'm going to miss out on the guys. You know, I definitely need some brotherly love.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll definitely. I'm sure as the word spreads, people. I mean, the the thing that has started to happen with a lot of these attempts, at least on the East Coast, is as the word starts to spread, and especially. With uh, some of these attempts that are that are being tracked and followed online, and, and you're going to have everything up online as well. Uh, people sure, people yeah. are just going to start showing up and running with you just uh, to be a part of it. And we saw that with with uh, with uh, Speedgoat's attempt, with Carl's attempt, with uh, Scott's attempt, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah. I think you'll get a, a very similar response.
1: Yeah, it happened last year with Carol, and you just get someone turn up, and it was right. so nice to just run in and- with someone and just find out what their story is and stuff. So yeah, I'm fully welcome, uh, for anybody who wants to come and you know, run with me for a section on the trail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now I know you recently returned from kind of a, a recon trip to the trail. What section were you looking at when you were just over here recently?
1: So as you know, I've done from, um, day 12 up to day 26 based on 53 miles a day, which was Carol's attempt, um, averaging. Wow. Wow. So, um, no, I didn't do that. I mean, he—that I'm saying that yeah, during yeah. his attempt, he right, averaged right. 53 miles a day. Uh, so I've done from day 11 to day 26. So I thought I'd just go straight back to the start. Um, so me and my mum flew out there about two weeks ago, um, went down to, uh, met up with a really cool dude called Brian Meltzer, who's a, a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, he started up Trail Running Magazine over there mm-hmm. in the US. And uh, we just hung out for a couple of days on the trail day one i put in a nice big day put in just over 55 miles um felt good uh and and that was from the very start you know mile zero so i just wanted to go yeah yeah, i wanted to go right to the start and and see what it felt like to be at mile zero and it was exciting you know i did everything on day one that i will do on the attempt i started at 4 a.m um you know replicated my food uh did a decent distance um stay positive and (laughs) yeah it was a really nice experience uh we did have um some setbacks so my mom got lost one of the days because she was trying to use google maps um on forest service roads when there was no cell service Mm, so she ended up yeah i mean i was waiting for about five hours at this place called deep gap and uh, my reception was low i had no food I had no head torch because I'd set out in the day well, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier on. So I think we learned a lot by that. And I ended up taking a zero day. Mm-hmm. And um, I just co-drove with my mom, navigated. We downloaded Google Maps offline, which is a really awesome thing you can do. Uh, we bought a Nat Geographic, uh, Nat National Geographic paper map mm-hmm. of that section we were on. And uh, we just went to school on, uh, uh, without cell service uh, navigation. And um, my mum, by the end of the day, she got it. That's great. She knew what she was doing.
0: So the current record stands at just over 41 days. What is your plan? Like, how do you, I mean, let's say if everything goes right, where do you see yourself finishing?
1: Yeah, Carol um, crossed, uh, got to Qatar in uh, 41 days, seven hours, and 39 minutes. So he averaged uh 53 miles a day obviously he didn't run that distance some days there were you know 40 miles in the really tough section sure. and then other day i mean on the last day he did 100 miles on so oh you know sh- that was just the average but for me um i've got a real personal goal um i don't so much see myself as out there competing against carol than competing against being the first person in history to take it sub 40 and uh-huh. i know that's a I know that's a bold statement, but the the difference is this. 1.75 miles a day further than Carol. That's all I got to do to scrape under 40 days. So um, that's my goal.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot until you just consider how many 1.7 miles a day that is. I mean, it's – Carol's performance was really – uh, kind of groundbreaking in that it, it was the first time in years that a really large chunk has been taken out of it. I mean, we, we've seen multiple attempts and, and the record has gone down in each of the last four years. But until last year, it, it had only gone down by a total of about 20 hours in, in the last four, quote unquote, FKTs or records uh, mm-hmm. until Carol took a few days out of it. So you're talking about another day and a half. That's uh, that's significant.
1: Yeah, it is. It's significant. But I think it's when you when you whistle it down to um, the difference in percentage of volume I've got to do each day, you know, it actually comes down to something like 2% or something difference. I mean, it, it's a huge chunk off if you look at the total. Right. But then I think what I'm going to do, my, my approach is every single day, I'm chipping a little bit. I mean, I may just fall over flat on my face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this could just be a long conversation for no reason. But if everything goes to plan, um, I'll actually chip a little bit of, of um, uh, the, the record away each day. And I'll do that consistently and methodically for a full 40 days. I mean, everything has to be in my favor. Right. I, I have to have... Not too much bad weather. I have to not have a bad stomach. I have to be injury-free. I have to be strong mentally, physically. My crew has to navigate. Um, I just have to hope I don't trip over, and I'm lucky. All these things need to be aligned, and it seems that everything was aligned for Carol. So um, he was, you know, all that hard work and effort. So I just hope it aligns for me, and and, um, that's what will happen if it does i'll try and get some 40
0: what what are your biggest concerns or fears about what could happen is it injury is it a chance wildlife encounter is it getting lost i mean what what kind of gives you pause about this attempt
1: rain <laughs> <man>. <laughs> well that's
0: inevitable i mean you're on the east coast in the summer so
1: yeah but um, right you,
0: you don't the the problem is going to be right like a just a two-day stretch where you're taking you know just A a zero or something like that. I mean, if it's torrential, then you're just screwed.
1: Oh, yeah, I can't take any zeros. Um, Yeah, I I think the thing is, rain over here in England can be cold and not very nice. So I think I'm slightly traumatized of um, (laughs) being brought up in Britain. Actually, I was raised in Australia, actually, um, as a child. But yeah, living in England and just those horrible. So when it does rain on the AT it's quite good fun me and Carol had a great time last year you know in the rain and it just became more fun so maybe that's just a fear in my mind and not a real genuine concern
0: right right now the FKT culture has kind of grown I I would say exploded here over the last few years and and we've seen more and more of the top men and women uh, either establishing new routes or tackling classic routes and uh, some of these some of these routes have gotten really competitive, and we've seen a, a real explosion in interest in terms of the uh, fastest known time, the pro boards, and the new website. They have their own podcast now, and and Ultra Running Magazine has started awarding uh, top FKTs of the year uh, domestically and that sort of thing. Has this kind of concept caught on overseas? Is it is it still? Uh, A little bit on the fringes and or or is this starting to generate excitement uh, over there as well
1: well uh, coming out of um, UK you know I could only speak I can't speak for Europe but I can speak about the UK scene Um, I mean we've had this you know for example like you mentioned earlier the Bob Graham
0: sure the Bob Graham right that's that's as classic as it comes obviously
1: yeah um, so we've had this stuff going on for a while and and not necessarily putting on a race bib to go out there and have a, a race in other words. Um, so you're racing against something else than, uh, you know, uh, physical people surrounding you. So we've had it going on a while. Um, I think FKT's made it kind of, um, re- re- you know, like I wouldn't, I don't know if I could use the word trendy or something, but it's definitely trendy, isn't it? You right. Know, yeah. It's a for trend, sure. Oh, you know, for it's sure. It's happening. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, uh, because already ultra is a, it's not really a mainstream sport anyway. Right. So, for example, when I speak to people about what I'm going to do, if I use the word F, like the acronym F, FKT, they say, "Well, what's that?" You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to explain, you know, fastest known time and, and this. So I think still uh, there's a lot more room for people to start to learn about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's a lot more. There's, you know, I mean, it's still got to people have got to get used to the the idea behind it still. um, It's not as known as as I'd say it would be in the US. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Last question I had for you about this attempt is, do you have any and this may just be me kind of spitballing a little bit, but do you have any concerns about like long lasting effects for this sort of thing? Uh, in terms of moving forward in your career uh, we've seen some folks who have gone after some of these really long multi-day and and really multi-week Fkts who it, it does take them quite some time to to bounce back and and kind of regain their their competitive uh, abilities or, or their juices and and in some cases it doesn't I feel like it doesn't really come back for people who are have been at the top of their game and and you know, Whether or not that's because they attempt this sort of thing a little later in their careers, or if it really does, you know, have a a little bit more of a long lasting effect, I'm not quite so sure. But do you have any concerns about that, that, you know, a a kind of a a huge effort like this over the course of, you know, five to six weeks is going to have some some maybe long term detrimental effects or, or make it a little harder to bounce back and compete at a super high level?
1: Well, like, um, I think what's been happening with me, the progression of my running, uh, I'm not like one of these elite athletes who's at the top of his game. I think what's happened over the past, well, you know, since I started running 20 years ago, is my self-confidence has been growing and growing slowly over the past 20 years. And every time I complete a personal challenge, which is you know, usually an ultra or something like that. My self-belief grows even more. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are those times, you know, when you've just done a big um, effort and you do feel tired, tired afterwards. And sometimes your actual um, enthusiasm is dipped a little bit, but then it always, for for me seems to come back stronger. And um, I've experienced 15 days out on the trail with Carol last year and I think for me, it's a matter of, well, one, physically, the way I run, I have a very unique, um, way of running. Um, I, I run really by feel and, and, and there's not, um, and I use my breathing cause I do yoga mm-hmm. pretty much daily and I, I really tune in to my body, um, my surroundings and, and I'm able to. Um, I, I know this kind of sounds crazy, but I just was in America, you know, as you know, ten, ten, mm-hmm. fifteen days ago, and I, I was on the trail, and I came away for I did one hundred and fifty miles, I think, over about three and a half days or something, and I came away from that just fe- feeling like revitalized. So I I believe that, um, and this could be a little bit philosophical because um physiologically maybe I'll be worn down but this is my belief that every time I achieve something in life it makes me feel um and and reinforces my self-belief and confidence in myself and other people and what's possible that it just makes me stronger um and I really believe that once I get out on the onto the Appalachian Trail and I tune into my breathing reading the trail, the environment, the nature, the people, the, the the connections with all those things. And then if I'm also successful as well, or even if I'm not successful, I think I'll gain something which will propel me so far forward in my self-belief that I, I, I personally feel that I'm going to come out of it a bit like a, a caterpillar going into a chrysalis and coming out a butterfly. I think that something is going to, um be pretty astounding that comes out the other end of that trail and i don't think it'll be a tired unenthusiastic (laughs) weak um fatigued runner i i believe it will be the complete opposite i could be wrong (laughs) that's um, awesome that's awesome that that you're
0: right that you're looking at it as this transformative experience and i think you're right i think it will be that's fantastic
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Christian, before we let you go, I have to play the game that we play with all of our guests. It is called (laughs) called Desert Island Picks. You are going to go to a desert island for a year. I am letting you bring one book, one album, one food, and one beer. What are you taking with you to a desert island? In any order? Any order you want.
1: Okay, so the beer is going to be Hep Cap. Um, by Gypsy Hill. Uh, then I saw uh, you have
0: a beer sponsor, which is we always love that Gypsy Hill. Yeah. <laughs> What's it called? Yeah, Hep- Gip- Hepcat.
1: Yeah, Hepcat. Um, I think it's H-E-P-C-A-T. Okay. Uh, and it's uh, Gypsy Hill Brewery. They're they're literally just round the back of my house. Oh, um, fantastic! And, and what, um,
0: what kind of a what kind of a beer is that?
1: It's a really light pale ale, and you can just drink it on a summer's day and just ah, think, oh that's so refreshing. Nice, very nice. Yeah. Okay. The colder, the nicer. That's and then, awesome. So, and then uh, it's kind of a uh, book, album, and the other thing is food? Yeah,
0: a meal or a food.
1: All right, let's, I, I'm a big food fan. Um, I'm a big fan of my own food. Uh, let's go with the, um, geez, let's go with the homemade burger. I, I buy uh, an organic organic fillet steak. Mm-hmm. I chop it up really, really fine. Oh, Wow. Uh, I, I put in organic egg in there and make a patty and um, I make my own what I call it a one cow burger because I think burgers have got like 400 cows in or something so
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, awesome I use, so so you go
1: double double bacon double cheese and uh, lots of uh, caramelized onion yep. oh my so, god
0: and ha- handmade good. oh that sounds delicious all right dude it's good
1: <laughs> um and then we're gonna go with an album yep yeah so, let me think. Uh, good album. There are so many. But I know. This is the one that trips, trips everybody. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's called... Um, geez, I forget what the name of the album is, but Jimi Hendrix, one of his popular albums.
0: Uh, uh, are You Experienced? Access yeah, Love Yeah, that's
1: it. Are You Experienced? Yeah, that's a great Jimi album. Hendrix.
0: Fantastic. So,
1: I'll go with that. Um, and one, and one book. My, yeah, in the, the book. Um, well, ideally if it could be any book yep. and this is um a kind of because uh, this is a fantasy kind of question right because it's a desert island yeah so so yeah it would be a book titled sub 40 and um it would be basically a book about my journey with my crew and my um experiences on the appalachian trail <laughs> <Fantastic>. Sorry, <man. laughs> no that's great
0: that's great I, I look forward to reading that that'll be great <laughs> Christian, thank you so much for joining us. This is I'm I'm really looking forward to following you on the trail. I hope, you know, if if we have a a period of time where you have, you know, cell service or Wi Fi, we can have you call in or something briefly from the trail this summer and and give us a little report. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And when Yeah, let's do that. Good. When you're when you make your way up through our area, I am not far from the trail. Uh Phil and I will come out and pace you for a day or so or two days. Cool, uh, cool. In return, you're going to have to pace us uh, when we come do the Bob Graham next year.
1: Well, I tell you what, I'll do, uh, Jason. I'll bring over two of those Hep caps, so ah, for yes. some day, you guys can, uh, you know, uh, quench your thirst on on the the good old beer. Ah, uh, that English sounds beer.
0: fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> Christian, thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in online coaching with Christian. Please check out his website at www.christianultra.com. We'll provide a link in the episode notes for you. And until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other.
1: I'm happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not faded, just been faded. Like a good old pet. Still like a proud old car That drove a little too far And seemed too much rain But long ago as a child I look back The night sky and wild wonder man And ride the bus And feel upset To think of all the years I'd have to go through there. I was still young I was still young We'll